At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and um quick merch plug we had the realization <laughs> literally just before i said the intro that both of us are drinking from our horror borealis mugs right now so mm-hmm. we're sharing a cup of coffee um on opposite ends of the country which i think is kind of beautiful it's really sweet also repping big billy's diner as everyone should 100 um, incidentally, if you are unaware of this, there's still a big box of them in my apartment, so you can absolutely order one. But we are selling these Big Billy's Diner mugs. They uh, have a beautiful, like, turquoise retro logo on the front, um, and it says Revenant Alaska underneath, and they're like that classic ceramic diner mug feel in your hand. It's like the slightly off-white. They're they're really nice. I, I like these a lot. They are very nice mugs. I like them very much. I am drinking a, a coffee company I will not name because they have not yet sponsored us. <laughs> because they still haven't sponsored us. But I will Pretty say rude. that the flavor is white Russian, and it's really tasty. Mm. It's yummy. That sounds nice. I'm just drinking a straight up black coffee. It's slightly bitter because I ground it too fine for use in my Clever Dripper. Mm. It, like I knew I was doing it. I had coffee ground for the espresso pot this morning for my little Bialetti. Mm-hmm. And then I had leftover coffee grounds. And uh-huh. so I used those in my Clever Dripper because I didn't feel like dealing with the Bialetti. Um, but what it means is that it over extracted. So now my okay, coffee so is very bitter. Confession time. When mm-hmm. you said Clever Dripper in the message you sent me before we started recording, I thought that was just your fun and funky name for your coffee maker. Oh, my is clever that, little dripper. Is that is that the actual <laughs> official it is name? Called, it is called a Clever Dripper, yeah. Well, to be fair to me in this situation, you did immediately after refer to your coffee as Go Juice. So I thought you were just... I did. I can understand why that sentence would have been confusing. I, I because assumed, when I use the yeah. phrase steamy mug of go juice, I can see why you would think Clever Dripper would just be like a, a fresh new Alexism. It's just, a, I thought it was an addition to the lore. I wish I could take credit for that. God, that's bitter. That's kind of gross. I'm probably not going to finish that. Oh, no. Uh, if only some unnamed coffee company with higher quality coffee would sponsor us so I could afford the drinks that I crave. Anyway, mm-hmm. how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. caffeinated. I'm uh, awake. I am recording in my main part of my room instead of in my closet because my internet signal is bad in my closet and I don't have a hotspot yet because Best Buy is slow. But Ugh. you know what? We're out here. We're doing it. Man, when capitalism won't even function as intended, like what's the point? What's even the point? Like what good are you, capitalism? I thought this was the one thing we had left. <laughs> You were wrong. I was wrong. There, that there was, is no quick shipping. Have you seen that vine? I said it in the cadence and it brought me back. The vine of just, it's from some terrible like acting class or short or like student film. And it's just a very, two very stiff actors. And the woman says, did you wash the dishes? And the man says, I thought you wanted to do that. And she goes, <laughs> you were wrong. Oh, that's good. Speaking of Similar videos with a haunted energy. Have you seen John, I Want a Divorce? 
Oh, yes, I am. I am obsessed with that video. It is terrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, if you John, haven't seen it, John, I Want a Divorce is another <laughs> kind of same thing. It's, it's similar to You Could Stop at Five or Six Stores, um, which is my favorite internet video of all time. So I good. will gladly go down that 40-minute voyage with anyone who will accompany me on it. I have made many people watch it. But You Could Stop at Five or Six Stores has like a sort of spiritual successor called John, I Want a Divorce. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is literally just these two people in, I guess, an acting class or a screen test or something. And what's so weird about it is they're doing a two-person scene, but they're not looking at each other. They're standing next to each other, side by side, and he has his arm around her shoulder, and they're talking about getting a divorce, which makes this, like, really surreal and strange. But she's making some very, like, straightforward acting choices in a very, like, sort of serious, dramatic manner. Like, a little bit underexpressed, but, like, there nonetheless. She's trying to, like, play it very straight. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps doing this laugh that sounds like the laugh that a mass murderer would do. It's very, like, classic Joker. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, Anyway, if you want to absolutely curse your morning, then I highly recommend just (laughs) go on YouTube. Just look for John, I Want a Divorce. You'll find it. There's a version, which I actually recommend even more, which is where somebody has... Um, like at various points we'll cut to close-ups of his face and underscore it with music that gets increasingly more tense um, and it's just an incredible experience all around I love honestly it. I, I have a feeling that if you submitted that edited version as a short film that it would become it would be lauded by the critics I think it would do very very well the thing is because with that edition it actually becomes a very fascinating artistic statement anyway um, I'm gonna pretend that these count as internet cryptids because they kind of are so we'll pretend that tangent was at all right relevant. But are you ready to talk about some, like, Monster Boy? Oh my god, of course. Every time. All the time. Always. I brought you a friend today, and, um... Is it a friend? I don't... I'm, I'm always wary now. <laughs> I like it. I think it counts as a friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this one was actually brought to us by one of our Patreon donors, so give me just a second, <gasps> so... That's okay. It's okay. Um, in case you didn't know, donors at our $10 or above level get to tell us one cryptid they would like us to do. So if you are a $10 patron and you have not yet taken advantage of that, um, just go ahead and get that in so we can get to it in 2019. It's nice to know, you know, what we're aiming for in the future. Mm-hmm. But there's a second reason I picked this one, which is that that this cryptid uh, comes to us from the state of Georgia. And I know that Georgia is <gasps> kind of like a topical situation right now. And listen, here's the deal. I know that, like, there is currently a movie industry boycott of Georgia, and that's all well and good. That's totally fine. Like, on a financial level, I support it. But I don't actually think that, like, the people of Georgia should be punished for decisions that are made that are actually harming them more than anyone else. Yeah. And that's a take that I have that some people have found to be controversial, but I'll stand by it. I don't Mm. think that, Mm -hmm. like, making jokes about, like, letting Georgia secede or, like, you know, pulling all support out of Georgia is helpful at all to the people who are now at the highest risk. So we're visiting Georgia spiritually this week to bring a little bit of joy to those people who probably need it. Also a quick sidebar as like someone who is, and I hate saying this as I say it, my soul is leaving my body, but is now like somewhat adjacent to the TV industry. Like I know people who are working in it. Mm -hmm. That is a much more contentious conversation than I think people realize. There are quite a few people in television who are basically overtly saying like, 
we are not gonna do a boycott because we don't want to punish TV industry workers. Like we don't want to punish like mm-hmm. PAs and actors and tech workers who live in Georgia. Yeah. You know how many people specifically moved to Georgia just so they could work in the film industry yes. and already aren't making enough money? No, exactly. You're not helping those people. Like that's actually like uh, I think I think depending on who you ask, like that's actually not as controversial of a take, Alex, as I think some people may have led you to believe. Well, I'm saying it's contentious because I have had contention. Oh no, no, no. I'm not it. telling uh-huh. you. I'm saying those people have led you to believe, perhaps, that that is a less popular stance than it is. Yeah. Um. But I wanted to let you know you have many allies in this in this corner. Like. Well, yeah. I, I like part of it is I'm from West Virginia. I'm from a state that yeah. people have historically just sort of said like screw them. Like let's let the redneck go marry their cousins and not like help them out at all and like that doesn't do anybody any good mm-hmm. but like the people that you should be making fun of the people that you should be punching up at are the people who are making like the lives of rural individuals hell already mm-hmm. like there are tons of lgbt people in the south there are tons of people of color in the south like in fact populations of people of color are significantly higher in the South yeah. than they are in, like, the northern United States. And so when you are talking about just cutting those states in their entirety off from support systems, you're not doing any good for anybody. All you're doing is, like, enhancing your own ability to feel like you don't have those problems where you live. But if you feel like bigotry is not a problem wherever you are living, then all that tells me is that you are in a position where you have the privilege to ignore it. So... Mm-hmm. Just my pedestal for today. Sorry. <laughs> no, a couple things before we stop being serious about serious things. Uh, one, as much as I love visiting my family that is there, uh, Boston is one of the most racist mm. state or racist cities in the country, like statistically. And two, not only like are like not, when you like take the city of Georgia, not only are you like making an assumption or the city of Georgia, my God, the state of Georgia and paint it with a broad brush, not only making assumptions about a very large state full of many different types of people. Specifically, there are pockets of Georgia that have been like not have been instrumental in social change and Mm -hmm. um, like social justice work, specifically Atlanta, which is a huge concentration of LGBTQ activism and of black activists. And like just dismissing that is crappy. And I won't linger on Mm. that too long but like Atlanta specifically has been like a center of a lot of really important work yeah and a lot of really important art as well like it's like the hip-hop capital like the rap capital of the country like one of the theater capitals of the country it is a huge place for LGBTQ activism and also it's the state the city where I was born very nice so this is the part where I get weirdly defensive of a city I haven't lived in since I was four. Well, anyway, <laughs> let's kick it back to your uh, your birthplace today. It is. It is my birthplace. The patron who brought this to us um, goes by Midge on Patreon, so that's how we will identify them. Thank okay. you so much, Midge. And this is the Altamahaha. Oh, one more time? The Altamahaha. Oh, it's so fun. I love that. Isn't that a great name? Oh, it's so good. It's named for the Altamaha River, which is where it resides. This is another water monster. Oh, I love a water monster. So similarly, yeah, similarly to like Nessie or Chessie or Pogo, no, like this is another one. <laughs> well, this is another one of those water dwelling cryptids with ties to a specific body of water. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the river is the Altamaha, right? Yes. And this creature is the Altamaha? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or Alti. 
which some people will call it. The naming convention present here is very, very good, considering that they just, instead of even just calling it like the Ultimaha, like monster, or even like something connected to that, they just added a syllable on. They added one more ha. Yeah, so A-L-T-A-M-A-H-A dash H-A is the creature's name. Are you sure it's the name and not just like somebody said they uh like went to their like father and said father or uh, sorry let me slip into my old uh, it's my home state I'm allowed Papa I saw a river monster in the Altamaha and he goes Altamaha ha <laughs> um, possibly I mean <laughs> As to dismiss his son that is certainly an interesting origin story and then they just named it that. I just couldn't help but hear a dismissive old-timey southern laugh. Yeah, no, that's definitely that's definitely sort of baked into the concept here. Much like that bacon heat is going to do us all in with the vapors. But oh my god. No, I'm allowed to are. do that? You're not from Georgia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, so what's interesting about the Altamaha mm-hmm. is that uh, it is from specifically like the Altamaha area in the Altamaha stream, like river, but it primarily inhabits the little streams that sort of feed off of it. So it, it sort of snakes its way, if you'll pardon the play on language, into various little bodies of water that branch off. So it is okay. found in many places in the, that sort of area, in that river basin. And there is speculation that it is maybe more than one. Maybe there are several of them. This is because of like size discrepancies and also sightings in different locations. And simply the amount of time that this thing has been present, because this is another one of those monsters where supposedly, um, and it's always hard to distinguish if this is true or if this is just sort of like a uh, an exoticism of indigenous cultures when you say that like, oh, well, sightings date back to whatever, X, Y, Z. Or just like, it's like a PR move to make your campfire stories sound more legit. I, yeah, yeah, so it's hard to say, but pretty much every source I found tied it to a specific native tribe and like belief system. So I'll get more into that in a little bit. But apparently it's been around since pre-colonial times. So, okay. Uh, and the last sightings of it have been very, very recent. There was a big to-do with the Altamaha literally last year. So we'll get into that too, but there's your basic overview. So just talking about the monster itself, mm-hmm. Alti is a legendary creature alleged to inhabit the myriad small streams and abandoned rice fields near the mouth of the Altamaha River in oh. southeastern Georgia. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And this is interesting for another specific reason that I'll get into in just a little bit. Uh, sightings are particularly reported around Darien and elsewhere in McIntosh County. So I don't know where either of those are, but maybe you do. I don't know where any of that is. I have never heard of it before. Uh, so according to the Brunswick News and many other sources, pretty much Brunswick. everything I found. There we go. Now I'm in. Now I yeah, know. There you go. There you go. Apparently this legend has its roots in Muskogee tradition. Now, again, I don't know if that's true. Um, I looked for information from Muskogee people and could not find any. Um, I also looked up like 12 different pronunciations and could not figure out if it is Muskogee or Muskogee, but like they're pronounced different ways. As near as I can tell, it's pronounced Muskogee by like the white people in Georgia who named their counties and things after it. But it seems like the actual pronunciation is Muskogee. So that's what I'm using, but I do not know. I will say that's what I've heard before, but I am not an expert. (laughs) 
So that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, so it is, let's talk about the way this thing looks. Yes, tell me what it looks like. Not that that's the most important thing about any creature. Um, you know, I would love to get more into its personality, but I think we're going to start with sort of a visual here for Honestly, you. Alex, as much as I want to know, like, I want to know its fiscal and social beliefs, I also really want a face to put to the name, so I need to... Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do want to know how it feels about taxing the rich, but I also really want to know what it looks like. <laughs> well, here you have it. This strange cryptid is described as having a sturgeon-like body, including a bony ridge on its top. With front flippers and no back limbs, it swims like a dolphin and has the snout of a crocodile. Oh. With large protruding eyes and large sharp teeth. Oh. It's typically grayish or greenish with a whitish yellow underbelly. Most of the reports place it at around 20 to 30 feet long, but there are some sightings of much smaller or a little bit larger, which is, again, part of what feeds into this idea that there might be more than one. Gosh, yeah, maybe. Um, Sorry, 20 to 30 feet? Yep. Cool, 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 cool. So that's like uh, mm, like four or five of me. Great, great, great. Awesome. Uh, yeah, like a nice like school bus-sized friend. Great. That's sort of generally what it looks like. Yep. Now, if you want the sort of skeptic's belief, and I bring this up only because I find it interesting, uh, the sort of proposed possible scientific explanation for this creature is an alligator gar. Do you know what an alligator gar is? I do! Oh, they're weird! <laughs> yeah, they are super weird. So if you don't know, um, gar in general refers to a specific type of fish. They're big and have a very, very early fossil record and have not changed much since their earliest ancestral iterations. Mm -hmm. So they're one of those like weird fish still swimming around that are pretty much the same as they were hundreds of thousands of years ago, which is wild. These fish watched the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. They are um, freshwater fish and they... Interestingly enough, the alligator gar specifically has some factors that make it a very likely candidate for the Ultima Haha. So the alligator gar has, as you might guess, like sort of a snout that resembles an alligator snout and like multiple rows of teeth. <laughs> so it would very much look like an alligator or like a weird sea monster if you mm -hmm. saw one. But it also has that fishier body, that kind of sturgeon-like body in the bony ridge down its back that would also make you think like, oh, that thing is a sea monster if you had never seen a fish that looked like that. Right. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but alligator gargoyle, they don't tend to grow into the 20, 30 feet family. No. Um, anecdotal evidence suggests that they can grow up to about 10 feet in length. <gasps> oh my god, that's so much bigger than I thought. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, no, again, that is just like sort of, again, that's anecdotal. So there are like stories of them being that big, but... No, but that's not just like a little bigger than I thought. That is like, like, that is... A foot long is too big for that to be. Well, it's not 30 feet, which is good. No, I know, but a foot long for that. Like, seeing that at about uh -huh. my tolerance for the size of an alligator gar being in my space would tap out at about a foot in well, length. Well, here's the thing. If a fish is about 10 feet, that's not your space anymore, honey. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That That is the alligator gar space. <laughs> he can have the space. He can have my watch. He can have my laptop. <laughs> He can have my wife. <laughs> he can have my credit card number. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the alligator gar. They definitely mm -hmm. have like a sea monstery sort of appearance to them. 
Um, especially, I think, if you were just seeing one sort of breaching the top of the water, that would make me kind of go like, hmm, don't love that. You see their little their little pointy little face and little chompers and their mm-hmm. little bony little fish ridge on the back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the body of an alligator gar is usually like a brown or an olive, but it can fade into sort of a lighter gray or yellowy kind of color. Okay. There is that. So they are urihaline, which means that they can adapt to varying salinities. So if you've ever tried to keep a fish tank, you know that, like, the kinds of fish you usually keep in fish tanks are extremely particular about their specific water quality. And the easiest way to kill a tank full of fish is to, I don't know, breathe the wrong way. Like, it is so easy to kill a tank full of fish. Look at them too long. Look at them too long. I don't know. Like, shine too much light in the tank for 30 seconds. So, so easy to kill a lot of different kinds of fish. But fish like this are remarkably adaptable in the kind of environment they can inhabit. And so if you're looking at a sea monster, quote unquote, that can inhabit not only like this primary river, but also these sort of like basal areas that feed off of it, it makes sense that the water quality is going to be fairly different, especially because you're looking at a river that feeds out directly into the Atlantic. So you've got like a lot of different sort of Uh, environments going on, a lot of different habitats that are happening. Mm -hmm. And so a fish that is not only kind of monstery looking and very durable, but also has this adaptability to it would naturally show up in a bunch of different places. Yeah, it makes sense that this fish is adaptable because as I mentioned, this fish watched our ancestors walk out of the water. (laughs) This fish knows the day you die. (laughs) And it's seen the birth of humanity and it awaits its end eagerly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Real quick sidebar on fish. I had uh, three goldfish when I was a kid that mm-hmm. were just shockingly hearty. One of them was not. I should say two of them were. One of them was a carnival goldfish, which, as you know, means they usually have a lifespan of about the time it takes to get back home with the fish in the bag. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, but this one in particular, who was named about eight different things at one point. It was named Ron Weasley because it was a white goldfish with, like, red on or, like, an orange Cute. top of its head. But uh, this fish lived for, like, five years <laughs> And outlived the other two goldfish, though one of them was a champ as well, because this goldfish knocked its little, like, fake tree onto itself. Oh, no. And was trapped underneath it for, like, an entire night before we noticed and freed it. And then that fish lived for several more years. But particularly about the goldfish that was the carnival goldfish that lived way longer than carnival goldfish have any right to, for the most part, um, is that uh, I kept changing its name, and at a certain point, the other two goldfish fish were gone and I just started calling it Lefty because it was the only one left. Oh no. Yeah. I was a morbid child. I understand. Uh, my brother used to keep fish and I I never really got into it. I enjoyed watching them though but we had a couple fish that were just like survivors. Um, many of them died <laughs> very quickly and like the population of the fish tank changed with some regularity but there was a big plecostomus um, which is a bottom feeder. It's one of those like gray speckled bottom feeders oh, that I like, like eats the algae and like hooks onto the side of the tank sometimes with its creepy fish mouth yeah. <laughs> that started out maybe like two inches long and by the time like we had to get rid of the fish tank um, it was like easily seven inches long. <laughs> it was a big fish um, and its name was Gandalf so that was fun. Oh, perfect. Because it was like this big, weird, wizardy-looking fish. 
No, that makes sense because you know how in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf spends a lot of this time uh, like laying prone on the ground with his mouth wide open, just sucking algae off the floor. Yeah. That's in the director's cut. It, well, it is. You know, you probably haven't seen it. Um, I was lucky enough to get my hands on the copy where Peter Jackson gave an extensive interview about which fish each of the members of the cast would be. That's BS. I shouldn't say that. That's not true. There are people out there who would believe that's true. That's not true. But the fish was named Gandalf. You can't lie on a podcast, Alex. You can't lie on a podcast, not on a factual podcast that people use as their primary source of information, despite all of our best efforts. <laughs> Thank you for telling me about Gandalf the fish, though. You're welcome. I was going to say something else about a different fish, and now I don't remember what other story I was going to tell you. So let's just get back to Wait, the- really, really quick while we're on fish? <laughs> yeah. Just want everyone to know, just because it's nice, and I think everyone should know, that uh, there is uh, a coffee shop I go to that's by my place. Uh, they have a fish. They have a beta fish in the in the shop on the counter named Catherine Beta-Jones, and it makes me happy. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> and that's just a nice fact. I love it. Um, okay, so that's Alti, and that's the alligator gar. I have a whole bunch of sightings, but before I get into like the legit ones, just to make sure I cover it, I want to talk about the one from last year. Oh, is this a less than legit sighting? Uh, well, are we passing judgment now? Um, well, okay, it it is it was just sort of debunked, but we'll talk about why and how because that in itself is interesting. By who and what authority? Well, we'll talk about it. Please let me get to it. Okay. Anyway, so this is an article from Live Science um from March 21st, 2018, so a little bit over a year ago. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, the story was updated March 21st, but the original article is talking about um, bizarre Nessie-like creature washes ashore in Georgia and marine experts are mystified. This apparently did actually cause quite a bit of confusion and like stir among the marine experts in the area. Like it was a very believable hoax at first. Mm-hmm. So a bizarre, possibly decapitated sea creature with a long tail that washed ashore in southeastern Georgia has mystified marine experts. Is it a dead frilled shark, or a decayed whale, or an oar fish, or is it a hoax depicting the legendary Ultimahaha, a Loch Ness monster-like beast said to live near Georgia's Ultimaha River? It's definitely interesting, said Jason Lee, the program manager for the non-game conservation section of the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. It is what appears to be a strange creature that has washed up on one of our local islands. Boater Jeff Warren and his son discovered the strange dead creature on Friday at Wolf Island National Wildlife Refuge in Golden Isles, Georgia. Initially, they thought the creature was a dead seal, but a closer look revealed that it appeared to be a quote-unquote Loch Ness-type thing. (laughs) Early estimates put the creature up to five feet long, but by looking at the picture, Lee said it was likely smaller. It's a small animal or part of an animal, Lee told Live Science. So these remains were found on this beach. Mm -hmm. And the article goes on to tell you a little bit about Alti and describe the remains that were found and basically talk about what they might be and might not be. But this was like, again, quite a stir. And people were like, okay, like, what is happening here? What is this weird wild thing that's going on? Eventually, it was debunked because it was claimed, like, the hoax was claimed to be the work Uh, of... Was it a Banksy? It was not Banksy. It was kind of cryptid Banksy, though. I'm listening. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about this artist before, actually. I am on the edge of my proverbial seat. Not my literal seat because I am sitting on a mattress, but my I, I am on the edge of my seat if I were sitting on a real seat. Do you remember there was an episode several months ago, and I don't remember which one it was, where we talked about an artist known as Zardulu the Mythmaker. 
Yes. This was a Zardulu, or has been claimed by Zardulu. It's possible it was actually Ulti Remains, and Zardulu was just like, yep, that was me. Yeah, that's the other thing, is when, when like, people claim things that there's not really any proof that they that they did or didn't do. Um, it's like when some big prank happens or a big art piece shows up and Banksy rolls out of, like, whatever manhole he lives inside of mm-hmm. to be like, that was me. Uh, yeah. That's what I think Banksy sounds like, I guess. Um, that was me, everybody. That was me. Uh, and then he does, like, a little... Does a little like tap dance, a little shuffle off to Buffalo out of frame, mm-hmm. but there's so there's no way to really like prove whether or not the myth maker himself actually did this one. But I mean, possibly. Well, I mean, regardless, regardless of your feelings on whether or not this was Zardulu or not, um, Zardulu the myth maker is like really cool. So, Zardulu the myth maker, which is her official title. Um, is a performance artist based in New York City. Her real identity is shrouded in mystery, like most other performance artists. Oh my god. But she rose to prominence after several of her performance pieces went viral as hoax videos in 2015 and 2016. These videos included Selfie Rat, Three-Eyed Fish, and others. I remember Three-Eyed Fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one too. Um, I also remember Selfie Rat, which was pretty cool. I don't remember Selfie Rat. I remember Three Eyed Fish. You saying that felt like a celebrity sighting. That was a lot. Yeah. Anyway, there are also beliefs that like Zardulu herself is a hoax and that one of the like background actors in the video is like actually Zardulu. <gasps> that's um, like a saw twist. Which I think is pretty cool. But anyway, that's... Uh, that's a Zardulu thing. So the 2018 sighting of Alti was more than likely a Zardulu hoax, but that doesn't mean that Alti's not real because there is a long list of earlier sightings dating back quite some time. Would you like to hear a few? Oh my god, of course I would. Alrighty. Superb, you funky little cryptozoologist. <laughs> this page is welcome to gabooks.com, and this page is just sightings of Alti, which is pretty great. <laughs> but the but the URL is just Georgia Books. No, no, no. That's the um like great and by great I mean terrible like late nineties early two thousands web design title at the top of the page. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, it is an angelfire.com site. So. Alex, what? <laughs> yes. I didn't think those existed. I thought they were lost to the sands of time. Maybe they also are hoaxes. But here is one. So. Have a sighting for you from 1969 or 1970. Either nice or almost nice. Yes? Either nice or just post nice. Mm-hmm. Time, July at night. <laughs> Which Perfect. I love that that's how we're telling time now. High tide. He and his brother were fishing from his father's houseboat on the Altamaha River at Clark's Bluff. The lights were on the houseboat, so they could see fairly well for some distance. They were fishing for catfish and had caught several when he decided to try an old trick they'd used when he was a kid. Oatmeal and red man soda pressed out on a three-pronged hook. They were fishing in a little depression in the river outside the rough water. Something took the hook, and instead of the typical catfish run and stop and turn, etc., it ran and ran with it, coming out of the water where he could see it. It was 10 to 12 feet long, and at first he thought it was a sturgeon, but could soon tell it wasn't. It had a snout almost like that of an alligator, or, uh, he says, he thought of a duck-billed platypus. Uh, uh. It had a horizontal tail instead of a fish-like vertical one, and had a spiny kind of bony triangular ridge along the top of its body, and a dorsal fin that was down, but he could see it on its back. The teeth were shining in the light, and they were sharp, pointed teeth. 
It was gunmetal gray on top and oyster white yellow on bottom. It didn't move along side to side like a snake, but up and down vertical motion like a porpoise. Yes. Mr. Manning has lived on water all his life and seen all kinds of creatures, but this was the most amazing thing he had ever seen. He was using a saltwater rig and a 40-pound test line, and it snapped it like kite cord. Mr. Manning estimates from the way it felt and snapped the line that it was at least 75 pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. But also, like, being 10 feet long and only 75 pounds is for some reason sort of anticlimactic to me. I know, right? Like, 75 pounds is... And, and this is the, the problem I run into sometimes when we're doing these things, is we'll get talking about such, like, grandiose things that when I see an actual sighting, I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of underwhelming. <laughs> only 75 pounds? Like, 75 pounds is very big for a fish. Mm-hmm. It's kind of small for a sea monster. Exactly. Especially, again, you've already told me it's 10 to 12 feet long, so it's just a little, it's just a little noodly little guy. Mm-hmm. I will say I very much appreciate the fact that I, I'm now believing wholeheartedly that this Georgia fisherman had, like, paint chips with him because the colors are very particular. What was it? Uh-huh. Oyster white and gunmetal gray. Yes. I love that. The... <laughs> Just painting a very vivid image for me, and I imagine those are the exact colors that his bathroom and or kitchen are painted on his houseboat. <laughs> I want to do like a like a Bob Ross-esque series where we're just like painting blurry cryptid pictures, but like being very specific about the color choices. Like, all right, now you're going to mix your gunmetal gray with your oyster white yellow and just happy little alties. Happy little alties. Let's just brush those trees right along the riverbank there. Everyone needs a friend, so we'll put a big alligator gar here. <laughs> okay. No, please keep going. This is giving me ASMR. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Happy to help. Um, I do want to get to a couple more sightings at least, though. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. December 1980. Larry Gwynn of Brunswick reported that while he and his partner Steve Wilson were eel fishing in Smith Lake up the Altima, they saw a snake-like creature, 15 to 20 feet long, which was as big around as a man's body with two brownish humps about five feet apart. They said it dove in a big swirl of water and was not seen again, but boiled up a swell that was like a wake of a racing boat. Wow. I know, that one's very fun. I like that. It neglects to mention what these two men were wearing while this was happening, but given that it was 1980, I am just choosing to imagine them in sweaters with some really wild patterns. Oh, absolutely. And I just wanted everyone to know. I choose to believe that they were either wearing sweaters with really wild patterns, or that maybe one of them had on, like... You know, the kind of winter gear that was, like, specifically for skiing, but it was just, like, a one-piece jumpsuit that was, like, in a metallic color. Either way, they both were looking like the opening credits of Saved by the Bell. A hundo percent. Um, Here's another one that I like, because the sighting itself is pretty good, but the date is just quite a few years ago. (laughs) Oh, all right. (laughs) So quite a few years ago. Two sightings. Two men. This eyewitness wishes to remain anonymous. Uh, The first sighting in winter or cool weather because they were out hog hunting. Late evening, a little before dark. They were in a boat uh, in Minnow Creek or Hammersmith Creek on the Ultimaha River, about three miles above two-way fish camp, McIntosh County side. That means nothing to me. But if you're from Georgia, it might be very helpful specific information. It means nothing to me either, but... Okay, well, I've tried. It's okay. They were sitting there, quiet, waiting for the dogs to come back. When they first saw its surface, they were startled and wondered, what was that? It was about 200 yards away from them and surfaced two or three times, going over submerged or partially submerged logs. 
It was about 20 feet long and as big around as a good-sized man's body. Which, like, what is a good size for a man? <laughs> Whatever size you want, sweetheart. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> that got weird. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is that it's different for everybody. So that's yeah. kind of a strange way to describe it. A good-sized man is just like, and I think I've talked about this on here before, I had a history teacher in eighth grade who, if you asked him how long a paper for him was supposed to be, he would say as long as a piece of string, and you'd ask, what does that mean, Mr. Bell? And he would say it as long as it needs to be. Ah. And so uh, what's a good-sized man? As as big as a piece of string. <laughs> as, as big as he needs to be. There you go. I like that. Anyway, but then it specifies about 12 to 15 inches in diameter. So, like, I don't know what that... Anyway. So they're reinforcing some beauty standards of some... But I don't know what those standards are. Um, no matter what size you are, you're a good-sized man. That's my official statement on the matter. Giving a shout-out to my short kings out there. If you are, if you are a man, then you're a good-sized man. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is. I know many people who aren't men. Why can't I be a good-sized man, Alex? If that's how you want to identify, then I respect it. No, I'll just... I'll be a good-sized gal. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. The head part was snake-like, but they didn't really get a good look at it since they were so startled by it and trying to figure out what it was. The body reminded them of a helicopter without wings, etc. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> so do they just mean bigger in the front and littler in the back? Like <laughs> Probably. Maybe it's like a Suchinoko sort of thing where it's like a big old belly and, and like a very tiny tapered tail. I don't know. I'm, I'm imagine. I'm just thinking about like the defining aspects of the helicopter are the wings and like the rotary, like the blades. Mm-hmm. Yep. That doesn't... I. <laughs> My, one of my favorite things is when people just say, etc. after listing one example. <laughs> like, that gives just, me nothing to go on. Also, when you use a thing as a reference, but then you eliminate the thing that makes that thing recognizable as what mm-hmm. it is. Yep. Like, you can't just, you know, like a unicorn, but without a horn. Listen, You I know, don't... like an elephant, but with no ears, tusks, or trunk. Listen, I don't pick sightings because they're good. I pick them because they're memorable. <laughs> All right. You know what? I respect you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, it seemed to be smooth, didn't notice any gills, appendages, fins, etc., nor could he describe the tail. Its color, the best he can remember, was a greenish-brown. The eyewitness has hunted alligators in the past and knows it was not an alligator. I sort of like that um, that justification. No, I trust trust his experience. Mm -hmm. The second sighting by these same men was near the same time, still cool weather, about the same time of evening, same general area, they were out hog hunting again. The creature was about 20 to 50 feet from the bank. When asked if it looked like an eel, eyewitness said no eel could be that big. They better not. Yeah, right? I swear to God, any eels listening out there, if you're that big, you better stop it. Oh, man. Better stop it right now. You better. You better just quit. Thank you. There are so many more. I'm trying to pick which ones to do. No, no, you got this. Home stretch. Like, well, okay, but just on this page alone, there are like 15 more. You got time. And then there's a whole different section that is nearby sightings and lists some in the Jacksonville area, which is cool. Just like pitch them at me rapid fire. Just like bam, bam, bam. Okay. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Date unknown. Hugh Mulligan, who writes the syndicated column Mulligan's Stew, interviewed Harvey Blackman of Brunswick several years ago, reported the following incident at Two-Way Fish Camp. Blackman, who had been fishing the river for 20 years, was standing on a floating dock which suddenly was rocked by a great wave. He saw a monstrous something, 15 to 20 feet long, big around as a man's body. The thing had a stick-looking body, was grayish-brown, and when it raised its head up out of the water, it looked like a snake head. About 1981. Eyewitness requests anonymity. 
Two sightings by same eyewitness, first one on this date. He and a friend were fishing from a small boat in a creek off the Altamaha, just south of two-way fish camp, Glen County side of the river. It was a windy, cold day, but the sun was shining. From the river, they entered the little creek and saw it lying on the mud bank. It was 10 to 12 feet long, 20 inches in diameter, almost the color of the mud, a gray-brown color. When they first saw it, the first thing that came to mind was an alligator lying on the mud like that. But as they approached, they could see it wasn't an alligator. They looked at each other, and his friend said, You know what that is, don't you? It's that thing. Oh my god. Newspapers had reported previous sightings. The creature slid off the mud and down into the water and swam past them. It turned and looked back at them as it went, and they were wondering if it was going to come at the boat, and were concerned since they didn't have anything to defend themselves with. When it was in the water, they could see that it had two or three humps which they had not noticed when it was on the mud, and it undulated as it swam. It did not hold its head up out of the water the way this man has seen in Loch Ness Monster illustrations. They didn't see any fins behind the head while it was on the mud, or any appendages. Although it was long, it was thick and could not be compared to a snake. The second sighting occurred several years later. He and his wife were fishing on the rice fields at Champney River. The creature they saw was what they believed as a baby one. (gasps) Baby? It it was, quote-unquote, odd. And the eyewitness, as with all of the eyewitnesses I have interviewed, had difficulty describing it, having nothing similar to compare it to. It was only about 26 inches long, and two humps rose along its back. There were reddish fins behind the head. They tried in vain to get it to take baited hooks, trying shrimp and worms, but although the creature kind of bumped at the shrimp, it would not take the bait. They were able to watch this one for about 10 minutes. He stayed right up to the bank all that time, and they were sure wishing for a camera. When asked if the eyes protruded, he said no, and that it did not have a snout like an alligator and didn't look anything like an alligator. He never saw its mouth open. It had a flat tail, but not like a fish tail, said it was vertical rather than horizontal. Its undulating movement in the water was rather like a snake, but the humps on it, quote-unquote, were working? I don't know what that <laughs> means. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Do they mean like, like, yes, girl, you better work? I don't know. I mean, like, they were they were working, you know? Like, the humps, I wouldn't have picked them, but they were working. They were working. I want to believe that that's what they meant. So really quickly, I just, uh-huh. it's, yes, it is a tangent. Will I apologize? No. Also, yes. But the person in the, in the first one uh, of the thing you were just reading, referring to it as, you know what it is, don't you? It's that thing. Reminded me so vividly of one of my favorite, like, very specific genre tropes in uh, horror movies, Mm -hmm. which is that in zombie movies, no one ever uses the word zombie. Um, They always call them like, they they always are like them or like the walkers or like the the, the risen dead or the... That's a really good point. The the white walkers or the... um, Just call them what they are. No, even I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Shaun of the Dead was the only zombie movie and it was like a deliberate because that movie is like mm-hmm. is like a parody in a lot of ways like a like a send up of a lot of zombie movies but no yeah historically they never do even in one of my favorite works of zombie fiction world war z they don't call them that they don't call them zombies ever <laughs> no one uses the word can't i don't know if they think it's gauche or what but it's copyrighted <laughs> they're not allowed rob zombie copyrighted it yeah <laughs> You have to send Rob Zombie $5 in an envelope signed in your blood uh, if you want to use the word zombie in your literature. I know nothing about Rob Zombie except that he's made several movies that I'm not like super into. Uh, That's anyway. Well, there it is. I have no beef with Rob Zombie. I just am not like a particular devotee of his work yet. Putting out there in case he's listening and gets his feelings hurt. I don't know. (laughs) Tell me about Sea Monster. Come fight us, Rob. Come fight us on air. Alex, please. Okay, so. <clears throat> I have a sighting. Addison, can I please read it? Are you done threatening Rob Zombie? I don't know what you're talking about. Sometime between 1979 and 1985. 
before the Champney River Bridge was replaced with a new bridge. You know that new bridge they got done in place of the Champney River Bridge? I like how that timestamp is only applicable in a very folksy sense to like people who identify the passage of time by when local landmarks were replaced. Oh, it's good. The eyewitness here was Kathy Howard Strickland. Time of year not remembered, but Marsh was brown, so not during height of summer. God, I love like folksy recollections of things. It's my favorite thing. This is honestly, yes, you should. It's so good. Mid-tide, she thinks, since part of Mudbank was exposed, but not low tide. Good distance away, less than a city block. Location, Champney River, west of Bridge. Driving alone in a car, returning from Brunswick, going north to Derry, and other traffic but not heavy. Saw the creature on her left. It was partially surfaced, just idling along, no wake. It was in the deep current part of the river, just east of where the river starts to curve northward. Head was up, turning slightly. It had a small head on a long neck about six feet high, two distinct humps along the back. The color of an eel, dark brown-black-greenish. Smooth skin like a catfish has. Its sleek, dark skin enabled her to see that it had strong shoulder-type muscles where the neck met the body at the waterline. It was, the word comes to her mind, prehistoric-looking. An odd creature to see in this day and time, yet very natural-looking in appearance, certainly not anything man-made. Nor was it a fish or something floating like a log. It was peering around, its body facing the bridge. Very large, at least 20 feet long. Submerged parts make it hard to judge. At least four feet across. No tail, fins, or other protuberances showing. She doesn't know why she didn't stop. Wondered, good lord, what is that? And was trying to pay attention to the road. Still wishes she had brought a camera. I mean... (sighs) Can everyone just start having cameras with them at all times, please? Like... Haven't we gotten to a point where now we can, like, how could we possibly manage this so that people had cameras with them all the time? Okay, now, here's the other thing, though. I do have to imagine, what if it's kind of like, you know that whole idea of, like, if you bring your umbrella with you, it's not going to rain? Uh-huh. Like, what if you only are going to see a cryptid if you don't have a camera with you? What if they can sense it? I mean, that's almost definitely how it goes, right? Side note, as you were speaking, uh, I decided to, because uh, you kept saying Brunswick, and Brunswick is where my grandma used to live. Oh, okay. And so I decided to to check um, how far it is from Darien to St. Simons, which is where a lot of my extended family live. This mm-hmm. is fine. I don't mind blowing up their spot like this. And it is a 30-minute drive. <laughs> nice. So that means if I ever go down to St. Simons again to visit my extended family... Mm, possibly unlikely, as all the people that I actually still speak to have moved to other places. I will maybe t- try to take that drive over and see if I can find this uh, find this critter. Oh well, if you do. Speaking of Darien, mm-hmm. um, the Darien Visitor Information Center uh-huh. uh, features Alti. Features <gasps> well, it's called there the Darien Sea Creature. Um, but there's like a very beautiful big sculpture of Alti that like Aww. is. In the visitor center, um, and the sign for the Darien and Macintosh County Chamber and Visitor Center like has the monster on it. Um, so that branding is very strong and very cute. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. You can look up pictures of the sculpture. It's like really cool, actually. It's definitely very sort of dinosaur-y looking. Um, it does not have those very strong, broad shoulders that the last sighting talked about. Ugh, but damn it. So, like, this is me being, like, a being a travel agent. Uh, those don't exist anymore, but a travel agent uh, for a second and saying, if you're ever in St. Simons, Georgia, it's very pretty there. It's uh, near where my parents got married. That's fine. But um, it is, uh, if you want to have, like, this is, my, this is my suggestion. If you're ever in St. Simons, you go to the coffee shop. There is only one. It won't be hard to find. You get a coffee and a shrimp salad sandwich. You walk uh, down, like, by the little shops going, like, a couple of the little independently owned shops and then you hop in your car and you drive 30 minutes to Darien so you can find the sea monster. Nice. Love it. That's a great plan. That's the best possible vacation you could have down there. 
Um, there are plenty more of these sightings, but if you want to look them up, you should just sort of do that Google yourself. I'm going to wrap up with just a couple of very, very quick, like non-detailed ones, because all of the ones I was talking about just now were fairly recent. Um, but I want to clarify, one of the first non-native reports of the creature was on April 18th, 1830. Oh. So they do date back quite a while. Yeah. Okay, yeah. When a correspondent of the Savannah Georgian newspaper reported multiple sightings of a sea monster on the Georgia coast. The primary eyewitness was a Captain Delano of the schooner Eagle, who reported seeing a large creature off St. Simon's Island below the mouth of the Altamaha River. Stop it. His description stated that it was about 70 feet long, its circumference about the size of a barrel, and its head resembled that of an alligator. Five other men on the schooner also reported having seen the monster, as well as several planters on St. Simon's Island. Oh my god, Alex! <laughs> there was a sighting in the 1920s from a group of timbermen, and in 1935, a group of hunters spotted what they called a giant snake swimming through the river. In the 1940s, um, there were some Boy Scouts that reported seeing the creature. <laughs> and then in the 1950s, two officials from the Reedsville State Prison reported a sighting. This thing's been around for quite some time. And fairly consistently. A lot of times when we look at cryptids that are, like, older, what we'll get is, like, a sighting every hundred years or so, or, like, a rash of them mm. in one year and then nothing for a long time. Um, this one is, like, like again, fairly consistent since people have started talking about seeing it, which, again, has been several hundred years. Um, they crop up pretty regularly. Absolutely. I, side note, as you're naming all the dates, I'm just thinking about all the things that this, that the, uh, the Omaha, that Alti has, has borne witness to. And I'm like, this thing saw the Great Depression, mm -hmm. saw the Roaring Twenties, saw uh, the Civil War, particularly like in an area where that was like, there was a lot going on. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just thinking like, maybe the most accurate historical record has been lingering with our beautiful elder sea serpent this entire time. Honestly, like, I want to track them down so I can maybe just interview them and get some accounts of <laughs> these monumental moments in history. History Channel, you know what you have to do. Oh my god, you know what you have to do. This is the perfect intersection of the, sh the channel you have become versus the channel that you once were, which is a show, a channel about history. And what you are now, which is a channel about aliens and conspiracy theories. <laughs> it's time to merge them together. Right, there you go. I was going to say, please get back to being a channel about the perspectives of a sea serpent. Sorry, river serpent. Megan Fox is getting a History Channel show about unsolved mysteries. And I'm just saying... Send her to Georgia to interview. Please let her this do this creature. Thing. Honestly, one of my one of the best things that's ever happened to me is when I found out that Megan Fox is obsessed with like cryptids and unsolved mysteries. Megan, come on the show. Yeah, seriously, if anybody has that hookup. Do you think if Megan Fox comes on the show, then we can finally get a coffee sponsorship? God, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's what we have to do. Get Megan Fox on the show. Get Megan Fox on the Cryptic Keeper. So that we can get coffee. We'll never be a truly righteous band until we get Eddie Van Halen. Thank you for that deep cut. Also, uh, not to like use my podcast for my own nefarious purposes, but like if Megan Fox comes on the show and we happen to connect and fall in love, then that's just what it is. Then it is what it is. You know, sometimes these things happen. You can't predict it. You can't fight that chemistry. You just, you can't, you can't fight fate. The power of love. And sea monsters. Love and sea monsters is going to be my next book. It's called Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters, and it already I've exists. already read that book, Alex. Okay, well, then this is a friendly reminder that it exists, and um, everyone should buy it because they're great. Also, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is really fun. Yep. Speaking of zombies, bringing it back around. There you go. It's all connected. No loose threads on the Cryptid Keeper. No loose <laughs> yeah, threads on okay. the show. Tie them all None up. ever. Yeah, never once. Nope. I'll stand by what I said. <laughs> 
Um, so that's all I've got for you on Ulti today. I love it. I love them. Yeah. Um, we haven't done survival tips in a hot minute, and I'm just going to say that that trend is going to continue because the Ulti has never attacked anyone. <laughs> so maybe survival tips are like, mind your business, worry about yourself. Yeah, seriously. Don't bring cameras. Can I give like some just general life survival tips then, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, uh, get enough sleep. There you go. That's a good one. Drink lots of water. Mm-hmm. So much. Don't go swimming 30 minutes after eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Alti might smell the food and want some, and then you'll disappoint her if you don't have any to share. Um, Download blue light filters for your devices so that it doesn't interrupt your circadian rhythms. Yeah, or um, cause eye strain. Uh, yeah, when you're looking at your phone late at night, you want that orange glow. You don't actually need to uh, wash your hair as often as many people think you do. Also true. Go by your personal hair situation. Like, if your hair gets greasy really fast, that's like its own thing. But be careful not to dry your hair out with excessive washing. Because that can cause, like, if you're having issues with, like, frizziness or anything like that, that can be part of well, it. Well, and drying your and drying your hair out is what will cause excess oil production. So if you have really oily true. hair, you might actually benefit from washing it less frequently. Just like, and I wish someone had told me this when I was a kid, just real quick, just real quick. If you have acne-prone skin, you still need to moisturize. Are you listening to me? Mm-hmm. Thank you. If you have acne-prone skin, you still need to moisturize. You mean you can't just you can't just dry it out with St. Ives apricot scrub? Mm-mm. Oh my God! Don't use apricot scrubs. They cause micro tears. Do not listen to Kylie Jenner. She does not have your best interests at heart. That's also a general survival tip. <laughs> yeah, face scrubs are bad for your skin. They cause micro tears. They're bad. Don't use them. Those can they cause micro tears? It allows more bacteria to get into the skin, <laughs> increases your risk of just all kinds of issues. Anyway, like this turned into Addison's skincare corner. Always take off your makeup before you go to bed. You will thank yourself for it in the morning. And those are my survival tips. Ooh, if you um, if you are like in a depressive spell and you can't trust yourself to take care of yourself um dry shampoo and baby wipes yes dry shampoo and baby wipes that's really really real and if you can't afford dry shampoo or you just like don't have it and you don't want to go out and get it on account of your hair is greasy <laughs> then cornstarch corn um or cornstarch mixed with a little bit of like unsweetened unrefined cocoa powder if you are a brunette and cinnamon if you're a redhead. Yep. That is not only like, does that work? There are straight up like dry shampoo, all natural dry shampoo brands that are just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are all natural dry shampoos that are just that. So like, just make it yourself. <laughs> anyway, those are some of our survival tips because Alti has never hurt anyone and never will. Asterisk. So you don't need to survive Alti. You may need to survive Georgia or just the general mess of 2019. So hopefully those tips come in handy. Yeah, that's the other thing is There are a lot of amazing resources out there right now and a lot of amazing organizations working uh, to like working to help preserve reproductive rights and also and healthcare and keep people safe. So uh, I encourage research on that. I retweet things about it all the time. If you follow me on Twitter, like on a more serious note, like that's a thing. Like if you have the money to donate, then that's great. If you have the time to donate, that's also great. Like people need volunteers. Also be aware of the intersection of your politics because like ultimately People who are rich and privileged are still going to be able to get abortions whenever they want them. It's the people who mm-hmm. are lower class or specifically black individuals who will be much less likely to be able to get access to the resources that they need and who are already disproportionately affected mm-hmm. by even the current standards of healthcare. Also, use inclusive language when you're talking about abortions. It's not mm-hmm. a women's rights issue. It's a reproductive rights yep. issue. Not all people with uteri are women and not all women have uteri. I don't know if that's the plural of uterus. Also true. I just went with it. <laughs> 
I hope that it is. I took a linguistic leap. Yeah, hi. Uh, welcome. Thank you for coming to our cryptid podcast, where we only talk about cryptids and never anything else. And not anything else ever. This certainly isn't a self-indulgent way to hear our own voices. Um, but you know what? We are the ones who make it. So if you don't like it, make your own podcast. That's true. If you don't like it, make your own podcast. And I don't even mean that in like a snarky way. Like, like we make our own way in this world. Like, seriously, in the time that it takes you to leave a bad review of our podcast, you could just turn on GarageBand and record your own thing. And it's much more fun to do that. Yeah, seriously, you'll feel way better about it. This is 2019. It's much more fun to just like the things we like and then make alternatives to the things we don't. Yeah, seriously, or take inspiration from things that you do like and then tailor them to your own specific interests. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe you uh, maybe you were really into the first few seasons of a certain unnamed television show about dragons, and then, and then maybe that show took a turn, and you got really sad about how it took a turn, and so maybe you're going to write, maybe you're going to write an original high fantasy pilot, because you need to craft a world that you feel like you have a place in, uh, in the genre. There you go. Maybe you do that. I don't know. Maybe, uh, am I speaking about myself right now? Who can say? But... Yeah, that's, I think, a very fitting ending for this episode about a sea monster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So, friends, thank you for joining us today. As always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Pretty, witty, and gay.